Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. Thanks for tuning in. In the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, it's a phrase used in church circles, at weddings and other religious events. The Trinity is not just a biblical concept though, it's the reality of who God is. You might be okay with God the Father and Jesus the Son, but where do you sit with the Holy Spirit? The truth is that the Holy Spirit is not just a tack-on, but the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is critical to following Christ. Tonight, Dr. Corbett concludes his four-part series on the Holy Spirit with the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And so today, I want to look at the last aspect in this series of the Holy Spirit, and I hope it will help you as you look at Scripture to realise Christianity is not meant to be dry, dead, wooden, dusty. It's not meant to be something that was an experience you had. It was something you did. Christianity is meant to be fresh. It's meant, and there's so many things in Scripture, so many things in the Old Testament that speak of the freshness of life with the Spirit. I think of the priests. When you read the Old Testament, you're going to come through Genesis. You're going to come into Exodus. and You're going to hear God tell Moses, I want you to build a tabernacle for me. And again, I mentioned... Most, if not everything God does, is designed to cause you to reflect, to ponder, to wonder, to be curious, to think about this. And when God told the priests of the Old Testament to build a tabernacle, every day the priest was required to go into the holy compartment, the holy part of that tent, and put fresh oil, a picture of the Holy Spirit, fresh bread, picture of the word of God and fresh incense, a picture of our prayers to God. Every day he had to do that. And it's a picture that, that, that God wants the believer to every day seek the fresh touch, the fresh fellowship, the fresh anointing, that is the enabling of the Holy Spirit. That's the oil in the lamp. And notice it's a lamp. It's a lamp. It's meant to give light. So it's God today. Use me to share and to shine your truth, your love with others. You may not feel you can do that. You may not want to do that. But what would happen if you began to pray that? What would happen if each one of us, what would this church look like in, in, in 12 months or at the end of this year? If we all began to pray every day in the fellowship of the Spirit, we began to pray, Holy Spirit, today, could you use me to share the love of Christ with someone who's broken hurting, confused, someone who's lost, could you use me? I open my life up to shine the love, the grace of Jesus Christ. Here I am, just use me as you want. That fresh filling, that fresh oil in the lamp, fresh bread, speaking of the word of God. We open up the word and the incense. We take time out to pray. And so now we come to this Fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's grounded in... I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians. It's, it's the last verse of 2 Corinthians. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This was a city filled with temple prostitutes. It was a city full of sexual sin. And it infiltrated the church. And we read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and 6 where it says there was sexual sin happening inside the church. And Paul says, 
People who practice sexual sin, that is having sex without being married, will not go to heaven. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. They will, will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Pretty serious stuff, this, and it's a shame that more Christians don't understand why. But he closes the, these epistles off with, with this profound thing called a benediction. Benediction. Bene, good diction word. Good words. These are the good words that he wanted to leave ringing in their ears. This is the, this is the, the, the collection of epistles, First and Second Corinthians, where he's talked about the gifts of the Spirit. He's talked about... Uh, when you, there's so many, there's so much spiritual language in here, and here he finishes with, with with these three aspects: the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit, or the fellowship actually of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so I want to I want to just launch into some statements about what the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is. I want to move fairly quickly through these. Then I want to give you the biblical basis for each of these that I say. So here's the first statement I want to make. Following Christ is only possible by the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. If you are not in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, you are not in Christ. It's as simple as that. When a person is in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, certain things happen in their life. Because this is the first thing the Apostle Paul says is evidence of someone who's in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. There's no condemnation. See, I mentioned before guilt and shame. Jesus takes away our guilt and he, he removes his shame from us. And for some of us, we, we, we need to rest in that. We need to rest in the fact that it's not about you. When you became a Christian, you didn't become a Christian because you did, 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 did. Because there are some people who stop doing, 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 and they think, that's it, God's given up on me. That's called condemnation. And the Bible says when you're in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, there's no condemnation. So that's the first thing. This is so important, and I really want you to settle this. You are saved not by anything you did, but by everything Christ did. Please settle this. Don't leave these till your deathbed to settle this. Christ died for you. He took your place. Your confidence is not in you. When the devil says you're a dirty, no good, rotten scumbag, agree with him. Because we... I was going to say, ah, but we were. And, and, and I suppose, not that I'm encouraging you to have a talk with the devil. In fact, don't. But if you were to, you would say something like this. You're right. Isn't it amazing that someone like me, Jesus, would still give his life for? And I don't stand before God in my righteousness, as Heidi prayed. We stand before God in the righteousness of Christ. There is no condemnation. You don't have to do, 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 measure up, measure up, whatever. Here's another thing. For those who are in the fellowship of the Spirit, you begin to do life differently. You begin to walk in the Spirit and walk according to the Spirit. Now, I'll tell you what that means. In the second last book of the Old Testament, the book of Zechariah, the closing chapters, it, it, it says, it, it's coming to the close of the Old Covenant, and it says there's a new covenant coming. And in that day, 
even the pots in the kitchen, the pots will have holy to the Lord written on them. In the new covenant, even the mundane act of cooking your meal will be an act of holiness to God, the Old Testament prophet said. Speaking of the new covenant, and in the new covenant it, it is intrinsically, it's unavoidable. You can't, be, you can't say, I'm one of those Christians who, I'm not one of those Holy Spirit Christians, I'm just one of those normal Christians. A normal Christian is someone who's in the Holy Spirit. And even when you're washing your dishes, for the Spirit-filled, the Spirit-fellowshipping believer, you can be washing your dishes and in prayer. You can be washing your dishes and you can be thinking, Oh God, I made some mistakes today. I yelled at this person. I lost my cool here. I, I, I had an opportunity. I can see it now and I missed it at the time. God, please forgive me. Help me to do better tomorrow. You're in the spirit. You're walking in the spirit. Even while doing the mundane, while doing the routine, the everyday things of life. Walking in the spirit. When you're fellowshipping in the spirit, your mind is filled with peace. When, you, when you're in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, you also enjoy the assurance of eternal life. And this is, this is a, a really big deal as well. When you're in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, there are times when you are led and guided throughout life. Now maybe you've experienced this. He will prompt, he will lead, he will guide, he will do certain things like that throughout your life. That's fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Here's one of the most beautiful things that the Holy Spirit does in the believer is he grants intimacy with the Father. Intimacy with the Father. And we you know, for all our social media, all our relationship television programs, blah blah, we live in one of the most disconnected generations in human history. We live in a, a generation that is almost unfamiliar with what real, genuine, pure intimacy is. And the Holy Spirit wants to bring us into intimacy with God. This is what I, and you may have heard me say this, and if you're one of the many couples that I've married over the last few years, I say this to you. The closer you get, the more intimate you become, the more trusting of each other you become, the more open with each other you become. In the midst of that, you will say things to the other person that will perhaps hurt them. In fact, you could be on the other end of that. The other person, as you get closer, more intimate, more trusting, more transparent with someone else, they may get angry with you and get upset with you. And if you doubt what I'm saying and you're not married, just talk to someone who's been married for more than a month and you'll, you'll verify this quite easily. And here's what I've noticed is that when the Holy Spirit wants to take us into intimacy with God, it becomes really, really, really special when we're going through what we consider to be hell. And our prayer life to God becomes angry and frustrated and desperate and disappointed 
And you know, those things are the hallmarks of intimacy. And I know that sounds strange. This is one of the things I say to a couple as I prepare them for marriage. When you get to that point, as you, as you get closer and deeper in your relationship and, and the other one gets really angry and really frustrated with you, don't misinterpret that as, oh no, our marriage is in trouble. Don't do that. In fact, do exactly the opposite. And if you can navigate with the principles of God's word, you can actually go deeper and closer and more intimate with each other if you learn to handle this well. And I see that the Holy Spirit will take us through stuff. In fact, I've got pretty good reasons to think that he can only take us through stuff to bring us into intimacy with God. I'll show you that in a moment. When you're in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, your prayers become more effective. More effective. If you're frustrated in praying and you've lost interest in praying, I want to put salt in your mouth and make you thirsty for more of the Holy Spirit in your life. When you're in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, you are more able to be faithful to Christ in the midst of adversity. And the person who is in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is being conformed to the image of Christ. You might be wondering, did he just make all that up? No, please turn to Romans chapter 8. This is, this is what it says. There is therefore now, this is Romans chapter 8 verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There you go, no condemnation. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So this is Paul's chapter on what fellowship with the Holy Spirit looks like. This is the essence of the new covenant. Verse 3, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. So that, that expression, walk according to the flesh, Greek word is sucks, is... Is, is meaning it's, it's not this stuff, the carbon stuff. It's the attitude. The flesh is the attitude that I can do it. I don't need God. I don't need anyone. I can do it. That's the flesh. And the flesh says, you're the boss. You're the man. Inspired Frank Sinatra's song. I did it the highway. Or whatever he's saying. And so we go on. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the Spirit or in fellowship with the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. You see where I'm getting all this from? For the mind is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And that was my opening statement. And I'm actually quoting the Apostle Paul. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, 
He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, verse 12, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, I know that there are some translations that go sons and daughters and they miss the point here. The, the firstborn son as an heir, anyone know their Old Testament? How much did the firstborn son receive of the parent's inheritance? Twice. So the firstborn son, so it's speaking of, of women as well, you, you were given the status of firstborn son by the Spirit. In other words, you received the full inheritance, the Christ, because he's the firstborn. Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we... Oh, I just want to skip over this one. Something a bit... Just read it very quickly. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified him. And that's why I said intimacy with the Father is only possible through adversity. And now we come into the adversity part of this chapter. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit. For I consider, it says in verse 18, that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole of creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. There is a future, as we mentioned in Revelation before, there is a future in which we receive a new body, a new body that will never grow tired, never feel pain, never feel sorrow, never feel regret. It will not be subject to the physical laws of this world, glory to God. I can see the cape that I'm going to have now. Because we will not be subject to the same physical laws with our new body. And if you consider what Jesus did in his glorified body, he could walk through walls. He could ascend into the sky. Come on. This is the, whatever fellowship we have with the Holy Spirit is just, as it says, a first fruits, down payment, deposit, sample, foretaste of what is to come. Verse 24, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Notice this is the prayer life bit, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That's how your prayer life is, is far more effective when you're in the Spirit. I heard someone say that when you're just praying what you want, 
you, you could just be praying what you want. And if, as you just give yourself over to the Spirit, over to God, and you might be, you know, you might say, "Oh God, take away all this suffering and adversity and all this pain I'm experiencing. Just take it away." But oh God, I submit to you, Holy Spirit. I just, I just lean on you. I depend on you. And the Holy Spirit goes, "Gotcha." Now I'm going to pray for it because you just give me permission to. God, just, just keep it going. This guy is still not where I need him to be. More adversity, more trial, more suffering. Just keep it going. And there I am going, Holy Spirit, just have your way in my life. He goes, "Yeah, we will, we will, we will." <laughs> but the one who's in fellowship with the Holy Spirit just holds his hands and trusts says, I, I don't know if I can get through this. Holy Spirit said, you'll get through this. You'll be better for having got through this. Come on, just keep holding my hand. Keep holding my hand. I'm, I'm talking to the Father about you. Keep the trials coming, Father. Just keep them coming. Keep them coming. <laughs> oh, you're all so excited. This is awesome. <laughs> He's the tweet. He's the worst preacher ever. <laughs> Verse 27, and he searches our hearts. He who searches our heart knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according, it says, to the will of God. <laughs> oh, drats. You see, but this is, this is the pathway to maturity. When you're in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, we've mentioned he, he convicts of sin, you receive salvation, he begins the process of change, he, he empowers you to be a witness for him, and then the world watches you as you go through stuff to see whether you really believe it. The world just watches as you go through stuff to see whether this is real for you. And the Holy Spirit is just holding your hand. Come on, there are people watching. But come on, keep coming, keep coming with me, keep coming, keep coming. And this is, this is the most... If you have not got this verse in your Bible highlighted like I have in mine, I've said it many times, I can only assume you don't own a highlighter. Or you, if you've got an eye phone, Bible, you haven't figured out that if you hold your finger on that spot, a little window comes up and says, would you like to highlight this verse? And your answer should be yes. Because here it is. This is the verse that will keep you going through the toughest times. And it's verse 28 and it says this, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That's why we can keep holding the hand of the Holy Spirit. We can keep going. Verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be, here it is again, conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say? To these things, if God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written? For your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Do you want to be a conqueror? Yeah. 
then you've got to have something to conquer. Do you want to be an overcomer? Three of us want to be overcomers. <laughs> Can you see what the Holy Fellowship of the Holy Spirit will do? He'll take you through stuff, not to leave you in stuff, but to transform us. And here he goes on and he says, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you are in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Man, we need to be a people who are spirit-led, spirit-empowered, spirit-fellowshipping people. But this, here's some misconceptions of what it means to be fellowshipping in the Holy Spirit. These are some of the misconceptions. And I don't know if you've ever met a space cadet Christian, uh, a, a super spiritual, but, but the idea is that sometimes I've heard people say this, I just couldn't help myself. The Holy Spirit just made me run around the church like a chook. The Holy Spirit will never do that. He does not take, that's devilish, it's not holy. He doesn't do that. He transforms our will. He, can, he helps us to conform to his will. He doesn't eradicate our will. So before anybody justifies or blames the Holy Spirit for some really weird thing that you do, just be careful. Secondly, some people think that, okay, if I'm going to be led by the Spirit, every decision I make, the Holy Spirit's going to make for me. And all I've got to do is discover them. No, the Holy Spirit wants you to use your brain. The Holy Spirit wants you to make a decision. And, but you might think, but what if I make the wrong decision? Well, it'll probably be the wrong decision. It'll, it might mean you make a mistake. But that's a part of being human. It's okay. The Holy Spirit won't make every decision for you. Does that mean you shouldn't seek God for wisdom? Not at all. Not at all. But understand this. The Holy Spirit... It's a misconception to think the Holy Spirit will continually be prompting the believer. It's a misconception to think that the Holy Spirit will be perpetually talking to the believer. Here is where I want to finish. Rather, firstly, the Holy Spirit will enable the believer to overcome temptation to sin. How does he do it? I have discovered that wherever your focus is, there's your attention. And sometimes... Temptation is simply a distraction. It wants, it wants to distract you. It wants your attention. How does the Holy Spirit do it? He fills your mind with other things. You begin to think and feel and sense and have different values. And you have a sense that this, this doesn't have to rule over you. The Holy Spirit does that. Does that mean you'll never yield temptation? Of course not. Of course. But the Holy Spirit can help you deal with that. Secondly, the Holy Spirit illuminates Scripture. You're reading a Scripture passage. You're going, I have no idea what that's about. So God, could you please help me to understand this? You turn up to church maybe next Sunday and somebody up here happens to say something and it's about that particular passage. And you go, wow, thank you, God. There's illumination there. He, illumination means to shed light onto it. But here's where I want to conclude. And 
And it's, it's this thought, if you're in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, you're on a journey. It's not about whether you speak in tongues or don't speak in tongues or use the gifts of the Spirit or don't use the gifts of the Spirit or whether you have dreams and visions. Look, that stuff, that's wonderful, but it's, that's not the focus. The focus is this, are you becoming more like Christ? You see, if you're baptised in the Holy Spirit, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, note the adjective, he's the what spirit? Holy Spirit. Chances are you're going to be transformed on a journey of holiness. And here's, here's the, the thing. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit is a journey toward holiness, which means Christ-likeness. Same, same thing. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit doesn't make a person spooky. It makes them exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. And that's where I'd encourage you to have a look at Galatians chapter 5 where it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness. This is what happens when you fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You become a kinder, gentler, more peaceful person. That's what happens. Not only the fruit of the Spirit, it helps a believer to endure adversity, as we've seen from Romans chapter 8. The Holy Spirit ministering the grace of God to the believer so they trust Christ. That concludes Dr. Corbett's series on the Holy Spirit. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, The Fellowship of the Holy Spirit, are available via the website findingtruthmatters.org or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. For updates and special offers, please visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash findingtruthmatters. Dr Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.